Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my people? Uh, It's a beautiful day, Monday afternoon. I'm recording this podcast before the Monday night game. Here's the plan. I got this podcast for you guys on Tuesday. And then I'm probably going to do a little gambling podcast. It might even do a take on the Monday night game. Put it out on Wednesday, and that's probably it. It's obviously Thanksgiving. Everyone's traveling. Have a great time with your friends and family. Uh, Enjoy a few cocktails. Enjoy some football. You know, just just chill. Relax. It's a great time of year. It's my favorite meal of the year, by far. Uh, so that that's probably the game plan, and then we'll be back at it on Sunday after... Shit, I don't even know what the Sunday night game is. But whatever the Sunday night game is, I'll have a podcast come out Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever that is. So the plan is this podcast, Wednesday's podcast. Might do a mailbag, we'll see, uh, for Sunday, but definitely just get back to our normal schedule next week. And uh, you guys know the drill. Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. I got a bunch of DMs for today. At John Middlecoff, Middlecoff Mailbag is my Instagram. Fire in those DMs. If you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Uh, Greatly appreciate it. Also, if you guys want to leave some reviews, that always helps. That's from what I heard. So leave some reviews if you like the podcast or if you don't. We've had some haters in there. I wouldn't know, but my mother alerted me. So, uh, hope everyone enjoys the show, and let's talk some ball. Okay, I wanted to hit on uh, a couple things from Sunday that I kind of briefly touched on, and just, I've really let marinate over the last 24 hours, and I've been thinking a lot about the punt for the Jets. And just, if you look at it like young coaches in the NFL, right? Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur, Sala, the group of young guys, especially the Shanahan tree, they really, really care about, most of them, offense, right? They're offensive head coaches who call the plays. Or Robert Sala, while he's not a defensive coordinator, he lets Jeff Ulbrich do that, defense is his baby, and you see this year they've gotten better players. The defense is dramatically better, right? He's a former linebacker coach. That's where he spends his time. The front seven, like that's his baby. 
And when you think about football in general, they say it's a three-phase game. And in reality, is it, it is. But ultimately, like, it's probably 45-45 offense, defense, like 10% special teams. Maybe a little more. But when you think about the old school coaches, Bill Belichick being, I think, the oldest coach in the league, special teams is a very, very big deal to him. Right? Why? He coached special teams once upon a time. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. Now, he started mentoring under Jim Johnson, coaching DBs, but he's a special teams guy at his core. Even his brother Jim, when he was with the NF, when he was with the 49ers and coached in the league, he put Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, his star players, Dante Whitner, played special teams. He took that shit very, very seriously. I've watched Kyle Shanahan for a long time. He does not care about special teams at all. He does not give a shit. His buddy, who's now the D, uh, special teams coach in Chicago, which Kyle was basically forced to fire, was god-awful with the 49ers. And it wasn't until LaFleur, whose special teams were even worse, that the 49ers were able to make a play against special teams last year. But old-school coaches value it, not more than offense or defense. You never are going to. But that piece of the pie, instead of being 45-45-10, might be 40-40-20. And Andy Reid, I've seen it. Like, he's not that big into special teams. Well, what did he do when he went to Kansas City? He took easily the best special teams coach in, in the league, Dave Tobe, and he's, you know, become like his right-hand guy. And for a long period of time, many people have argued that Tobe should be a head coaching candidate. Like, he could be a John Harbaugh type guy. So Andy Reid hired the best in the business, and just lets him handle it, and they've been pretty damn good. But when I see Robert Sala yesterday, like, even though he's not the defensive coordinator, he's consumed with defense and his quarterback. Well, however many seconds were left when that punt, the punt unit came onto the field, you know the last guy who would have been focused on what was going on, probably? Robert Sala. When if you think about it, Marcus, uh, I forget the guy's last name, the, the Marcus, what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> My brain's not working today. The returner for the Patriots did the same thing last year in college. A Houston SMU game. There was a little more time left on the clock. Basically a walk-off punt return. And if that had been the equivalent like of an offensive or defensive player that had had that level of moment, it would have been a huge deal in the scouting report, right? For one of the coordinators. And the head coach more than likely would have emphasized it in team meetings. Now, I'm not saying that the Jets special teams coordinator probably didn't bring it up, but you can't tell me it was emphasized at the same level with offense or defense. And when you look at this situation, and when you're the head coach who's not calling being the defensive coordinator, you have to take a bigger role in the entire team. And that, to me, yesterday's loss is ultimately on Zach Wilson, but Robert Sala deserves some blame. Because under no circumstances can you kick that right down the pipe especially to a guy who's clearly a threat to return it to the house. And he did. And it was awesome. It was fun to watch. Now, you could argue there was a blog in the back, you know, side to side. I'm glad they didn't call it because it didn't change the outcome. But like these younger coaches, they get a hard-on for their side of the ball and their core position, where it's like, guys, you got to pay attention to special teams. I don't need you to be John Harbaugh to know what the third guy on kick return, the L1, the R4, like I don't need you to be that. But if you don't emphasize it to your team, shit like that's going to happen, and then you're going to be mad the day after, and it's too late. And thinking about Mahomes, you know, there are certain guys in certain eras that just block other guys from being as great as maybe they could have been, right? 
I think the two guys in my life that have done that are Tom Brady and Tiger Woods. If it wasn't for Tiger Woods and Tom Brady, Peyton Manning probably has four championships. Maybe Roethlisberger has three. Who knows, right? More guys would have had more championships. If it wasn't for Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson might be known, him and Jack, as the greatest American golfers of all time. But your greatness blocks other people from getting over the hump. And I think we're looking right now in the NFL of, you know, with Brady, more than likely done after this year, but you never know. Maybe he's got one more year. He's 45 years old. Rodgers, who at any moment could just head to the hills and do ayahuasca for the rest of his life, try to be a fill-in for Jeopardy. Like, that era is kind of done. We've seen Drew Brees, Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Eli, all these guys have tapped out, like that era. So this young era of guys like 26, 27, and younger has some star quarterbacks. Even if I remove Mahomes, you watch Herbert, you watch Josh Allen, you watch Lamar Jackson. It's like, these dudes are really, really talented. Deshaun Watson, fresh off, you know, trying to avoid everyone coming after him, is coming back. He's going to be in the AFC. Some very talented guys with impressive resumes that a lot of us would want as our starting quarterbacks, right? Yet there's this Patrick Mahomes guy who more than likely is going to be a roadblock for all these guys. Like Justin Herbert literally leads his team on a game-winning drive, overcomes his head coach, who's the defensive coordinator, who cannot stop a nosebleed. I mean, let's face it. Brandon Staley, for two straight years, can't stop fucking anybody when it matters on defense, and he's the defensive coordinator. They show him on the sideline, call him the plays. Yet Justin Herbert, boom, drives him right down the field. He's got Mike Williams' ankle Comes back up. His running back's a tiny little guy. His best receiver, Keenan Allen, is dealing with a hamstring injury. He's probably running 5-240. Yet Herbert figures it out, playing with another receiver no one's ever heard of, just making plays. The dude's a stud. Josh Allen last year throws five fucking touchdowns on the road in Kansas City in the second round of the playoffs, yet his team loses. Like, maybe Mahomes is just that guy who is going to be this era's dude that ends with maybe three or four championships. Like, I don't think anyone's ever going to get to the Brady 7 but who's just clearly the best quarterback in the league. And when all else fails, when it's him versus whoever, not not saying he can lose games. I mean, Joe Burrow beat him last year. Like, Josh Allen beat him this year. Like, it can happen. But more often than that, he's going to win that game. Why? He's the best player. Like, he's the best. And there are Burrow, Herbert, Allen. I love these guys. Lamar, who's kind of been a little weird this season, but fan too. I mean, these guys, the, the, that core group of that I just listed are studs. High character, high focus, high talents. I mean, the total package. The opposite of Zach Wilson, who immediately gets some heat and crumbles like a cookie. Those guys take the arrows. They handle their shit. Teammates love them. Coaches love them. They're, they're tough dudes. That you just They're the shit. I, I'm big fans of that group. But they're not better than Patrick. And I, I just don't see... And here's the other thing. Patrick's got the best coach, who also happens to be the offensive coordinator. So the Chiefs, uh, I'm kicking myself because I thought the AFC West was going to be... I thought the Chargers could win it. I thought either the Raiders or Broncos. Like, no. Raiders and Broncos are 3-7. and seven. The Chargers are 5-5. Five and five. I, Like I said the other day, the most underachieving franchise in American sports history, especially in the internet age. But, like, part of it is they always got to go up against Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is just, more often than not, going to be better than you. And speaking about not being better than you, uh, I thought there was a chance when I woke up on Monday that Nathaniel Hackett could be relieved of his duties. It was a rough day for the bald community. Uh, Nate Hackett screwed up again. Disney CEO fired, ousted Bob Iger back. 
The bald guys, Robert Sala, punt return to lose to the Patriots for the 14th straight game. R- rough Sunday for the bald men. But Nathaniel Hackett, late in the game. The Raiders do not have any timeouts. They're coming out of the two-minute warning. It's third and third and seven, third and eight. Uh, so you run the ball at minimum. You run 40 seconds off. You punt. They start their drive at about 110. That, that's the most basic conservative play no one can argue with. But they do have a quarterback who has a 10-year resume, despite having a very shitty season, of being a fantastic player for being an elite quarterback with a high IQ and a guy who can win games when it matters late in the game. Someone you trust. Because that's what's... We don't talk enough about quarterbacks. Like, do you trust the guy? I'm recording this before the 49ers. The Kyle Shannon does not trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Andy Reid trusts Patrick Mahomes. Brandon Staley trusts Justin Herbert. Do Brian Dayball trust Daniel Jones? Right? I mean, there are... It's hit or miss throughout the league. You trust Aaron Rodgers. You trust Tom Brady. Ultimately... Russell Wilson, while he's not a trustworthy player for Denver or hasn't been this year for the most part, historically, he 100% is. They paid him $45 million. So you're in a situation where, obviously, you cannot afford to have an incomplete pass. Because if you have an incomplete pass, stops the clock and basically gives them a free timeout, which they do not have. I have no problem calling a pass play. But Nathaniel Hackett, who's getting destroyed, and rightfully so, he does some things that are like, does this guy, he's not even calling the plays. What's going on? But when it came to the final part of that game with the Broncos' last possession in the regular, uh, in regulation, I can't fault him for putting it in Russell Wilson's hands. If you can't trust your quarterback, who's making $45 million, who you just gave basically four years worth of guaranteed cash to, you might as well just fold the franchise for the next couple of years because you're fucked. You are screwed. If Russell Wilson, for whatever's going on, and he's having mental breakdowns, if you can't trust him, if the guy's not wide open, listen, I can live with a guy being open, hit him in the hands, and you dropped it. That sucks, but it's football. We're dealing with human beings. You can't control everything. But it's like, Russell, if no one is wide open, hit the ground. Just fall to the ground. We'll punt. And we have one of the best defenses in the league. Statistically, we have the number one scoring defense in the league. We'll just play D. Yet Russell scrambles out, and it, it's hard to tell on TV, right? Is anyone open if someone's not? Then he lets it rip. And for whatever reason, and I'm guilty of this, I'm still holding on like Russell's going to pull some magic out of his hat. The ball hits the ground, and it didn't feel like there was anyone within a five-yard radius. And Nathaniel Hackett, they end up losing the game. Devontae Adams walk off. Devontae's having, I mean, Devontae's going to have the best statistical season of his career, and he's gonna, his team's going to win six games. But Nathaniel Hackett's just getting drugged through the mud. Everyone thinks he's going to get fired, and he deserves to. He's clearly going to be a one-and-done coach. But that moment, like, I- I'm sorry, that's on Russ. Russ, when did you become this low IQ player? When did you become this fish out of water? When did you become a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL? Like, it has happened fast. And we know what's going to happen this offseason. They're going to fire him. They're going to hire a new coach. Everything's going to be rose. It's going to have to be. Everything that's coming out is he's going to figure it out. He's going to be introspective. Like, those are the type plays. Not even physical. That is just mentally, like, does he have any clue what's going on? He just threw it into the fucking ground. Is he trying to lose these games? Clearly not. It's not like they have a draft pick. Seattle does. Think about Seattle right now who, even if they miss the playoffs and win eight, nine games, big year for Pete, won eight, nine games with Geno Smith, 
and the Denver Broncos probably going to win like five or six games. You're going to get a top 10 pick. What a trade. And what just, what an embarrassment by Russell Wilson. And, and who knows? Maybe, maybe he's just, maybe he's shot. Maybe he really is. It, which is crazy because he's not, Roethlisberger was 38, 39. Eli was old. This guy's still young. This guy's still, it is 33 years old. He's really just can't play anymore. He went from being one of the most spectacular players, most electric players we've ever seen. Like he was, you know, when they talk about some of these electric players over the years, like Michael Vick, uh, Randall Cunningham, he wasn't as fast as these guys, Donovan McNabb, or maybe obviously as big as some of these guys, but his ability to make just jaw-dropping, scramble-around throws was unlike anything I've ever seen. And now he just sucks. It's because he does. Like, he stinks right now. He's not very good. And we can blame the coach all we want, but like I watch Russell Wilson just go, this guy's not a good player. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code COLIN for your no-sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel. Official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-888-9789 Tennessee 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming Visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage and the car inside And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. 
Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Michelin test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And speaking of teams that have, you know, what's crazy is the Rams and the Lions. I've talked a lot about it because I'm fascinated by the trade. Right, Matt Stafford asked to go to leave, and the Lions wanted to blow the thing up. And they did him a solid because he'd been a good guy. He played his ass off. He gave him everything he had. He laid it all on the line. And he made some mistakes, but overall, he made some great plays. He got them to the playoffs three times. It was one of those rare, like, mutual breakups, whether it be in business, whether it be personal, whether it be in sports, that... Truly was. Like, we need to go our separate ways. You need to go our separate ways. We traded you for multiple first-round picks and Jared Goff. And I got to be honest with you, I thought, like, how are the Rams going to lose this one? They get rid of Jared Goff, a contract they didn't want, and they're going to be, I didn't know they were going to win the Super Bowl, but you win the Super Bowl, again, even this year, if they have a down year, they win eight, nine games. The Rams are done. And I think you have to ask yourself, I, I looked it up today, because no one voluntarily leaves $120 million on the table. And that's what he would do if he retired after the season. But Matt Stafford has made $300 million. $300 million. He has been a beat-up player with Detroit. Injured all the time. Because he was getting peppered. They were never very good. Well, think about his time with the Rams. He clearly came into this year with a messed-up elbow, which is not ideal when you're a quarterback. And then he gets two concussions within basically 20 days, maybe less than that, 15 days, 14 days, right? Because he took a week off. But, like, are we sure that Matt Stafford's just in this thing for the long haul? Because if I'm Matt Stafford and I have $300 million I've made, now obviously after taxes and everything, at minimum, if you were just not a bumbling idiot, you got 50 mil in the bank, you got another 50 invested different places, you, you're untouchable. You are beyond fine. And you do have another 120, but you're getting your ass kicked. And here's the thing with the Rams. They have zero, and I mean zero avenue. There is no road to leading them to get good offensive linemen. Where in your right mind do you just find a left tackle or a right tackle? Like, where do you find tackles? Let alone, there is an element of luck to guards and centers. So the offensive line, they're not just going to be like, well, they can use a first-round pick on a tackle. They can use their, they don't have the pick. They do not have the pick. So it's it's pretty devastating right now. They can't run the ball, so they're going to need to get a running back. Their cap is so heavily tied to high-end players that it's not like they have unlimited amount of money. Like eventually them spending all that much money was going to come home to roost. And you look at the flip side, like, you know, it looks like they got a really bright future. And I'm not even talking about they've played a lot better and they've won, I think, three straight games. I heard the stat was three straight games for the first time in like a decade, the Lions which shouldn't be that shocking. They've been pretty bad. Lions have a bright future. I mean, they have some young, really good players. Aiden Hutchinson, you can't watch them play and not go, Jesus Christ, who's 97? Panay Sewell, really good. I saw a headline today, Jamison Williams, remember that guy that played for Alabama that was unstoppable? He's back this week. And even if this year turns out to be like a redshirt year, they got several core players. But here's what else they have. They have the Rams pick. So if the Rams keep losing, and guess what? I don't see them winning many games. 
with Matt Stafford being banged up or they got to go to Bryce Perkins, who I'll be honest, I didn't even know who he was. Their Cooper Cup's out. I mean, their team stinks. So the, the Lions could be looking, it's not inconceivable, they get a top five pick out of Matt Stafford. So when you talk about ROI, if they are able to get a first round pick, which wasn't good, last year was right at the end of the round because they won the Super Bowl. But if this pick turns into the fifth pick, that's an all-time flip. They used the number one overall pick once upon a time on Matt Stafford. He was on their team for several contracts, and they got the best out of him that they possibly could have. And then they flipped him, and if they eventually get a top five pick back for them, that's an all-time great trade. All-time great ROI on Matt Stafford in terms of when you were going to dump him. Now, you could argue what they were paying him for a lot of years. Did he live up to it? We could argue that. But I'm bullish on the Lions. Because one, you just watch them play like they got some pieces. Like they, St. Brown, the dude from USC, can play like really good. Jamal Williams, the running back from BYU that they signed from the Green Bay Packers. Every time I looked yesterday, he was scoring a touchdown every single time. So I'd be excited if I'm a Lions fan. This is a pretty big week for the AFC East. You know, the Patriots, whose offense is terrible. They're just, they're good on defense and Belichick's our head coach. So they get Minnesota on this Thanksgiving night game, which Minnesota should win, but Cousins at night, entire country watching against Belichick. You know, if you told me Minnesota loses, I can see it. Now, how does the Patriots, if Minnesota can get to like 20 points, can the Patriots, I don't know, but can they just stifle Kirk Cousins? Uh, Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's good, obviously. When they are right, they're, you could argue they're the best team in the league. But last week, it was going weird for them against Cleveland. Then they flipped a switch and they kicked their ass, which they should. I mean, they're playing Jacoby Brissett. But they're displaced all week because they're in Detroit, right? Because they had to leave for the snowstorm. Detroit does just have some momentum, and they have definitely nothing to lose in this game. You would think there are going to be a lot of Lions fans just excited to come watch this game because their team is playing well. And then you have Miami, which is actually in pretty good position. If Buffalo or New England, or some, definitely if New England loses this game, Miami's got the Texans this week. Now, they still got games remaining at Buffalo, at New England. So we'll see how Tua operates outside. But you get to 8-3, and three, they're going to be in pretty good position. I, I think there's a very good chance. Like, I'm sorry, I got to discount the Jets because I can't take their quarterback seriously anymore. But th- it does look, you know, the Bengals are definitely alive. So if you wanted to count the Bengals and the Ravens and then these three teams, that might be your playoffs, right? You get whoever wins it between Buffalo and Miami. And then the other one is the wild card with New England and more than likely, I would say, the Bengals. But you never know. It's not like the Ravens are just running away with it. So whoever doesn't win the North could get a wild card spot. Then the Raiders, or excuse me, not the Raiders, the Chiefs and the Titans. And that's your AFC playoffs. So, you know, I don't, I guess the only team that's not totally dead would be the Chargers. But as long as Brandon Staley is your coach, I'm just not picking you to make the playoffs. (laughs) who, Who am I taking them over? Belichick, uh, Harbaugh, Jaburo, Josh Allen, or what Miami's already seven and three. So they already got a two game cushion on the Chargers. So I, I think the AFC playoff picture is kind of set. We just got to know the seeding now. Feels like the Chiefs should be the number one seed, but you know, who knows? Still a lot of games left to be played. But the Chiefs, the Titans, 
and then three teams from the AFC East and the two teams from the AFC North. Okay, let's uh, dive into the mailbag. It's really simple. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire into those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Again, it's just my name. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Let's start with Tom. Love the podcast. Thank you. Assuming the Giants come back to earth, I think it's fair to assume that. What do you do as a GM in the offseason and over the next few years? Well, you obviously got a lot of positives going for you, right? You have some core players that feel like they're going to be pretty good. A couple guys you drafted high this year. Uh, Leonard Williams is a good player. Saquon is a good player. They've said they'll table the contract negotiations. You're not going to break the bank for a running back. But before we can talk about any position, and obviously you guys are going to talk a ton this offseason about wide receivers. You need wide receiver help. Got to figure out the quarterback position. Because just pulling up your page, 21 to 20, 19 to 16, 20 to 12, 24 to 20, 23 to 17, 24 to 16. You lost 31 to 18. You lost 27 to 13. You're not a very potent offense. you know. <laughs> and part of that is the quarterback, who is dramatically better than I think I know that I thought he was. He is, does he have the upside to be like, uh, you know, uh, 85-90% of what Alex Smith became with Harbaugh and Andy Reid? That, that to me is probably best case. But if you get that guy, you can win with him if you build up your team. Pretty sure he's not under contract next year, right? So you got to, what are you going to do there? Can you re-sign him to like a two-year, $25 million deal? Is he getting more money than that on the open market? So before we can figure out like who you need to add wide receiving, you know, p- firepower, you need you got to figure out the quarterback. Cuz clearly your coach is pretty solid. And the GM, I mean, Thibodeau and the offensive linemen you took are pretty good. So I I'd be pretty bullish with my administration, which has been the opposite of what you had, right? Pat Shermer, Joe Judge, no way around it. They they were terrible. Gettleman, joke. Like these guys seem young, competent, experienced, just high level guys. If you don't have a quarterback though, and your team, you guys have really overachieved. And I'm not going to try to like diminish what you've accomplished because what's your record right now? Seven and three. You beat the Panthers, you beat the Bears, you beat a bad Packer team, you beat the Jags, you beat the Texans. You know, I mean, you haven't exactly beat, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State here. Uh, so, but I, but the good thing about New York fans, like you guys know, like if you're my age, like you saw those Eli teams, like you know what good teams look like and you know what, what just, why I think you should be excited about this team is just how much heart they've shown, how tough they are, how many games they would have lost under previous administrations. Now it's just about getting, getting quarterback and maybe just extend Daniel Jones for a couple years and then use the firepower other places in the draft. I've gotten at least five of my buddies to start listening to your podcast. Keep up the good work. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Turner. Just wondering what your thoughts are of the World Cup and Qatar right now. I always thought the NFL was kind of corrupt, but after reading about everything in the world, everything going on over there in the World Cup, I've found a new appreciation for the NFL. We really do have it good here. Thanks. Keep killing it. I'll be honest. I haven't paid much attention. Uh, the game was on today when I was at the gym I'm really out of the loop on this one. And I'm I'm not a soccer guy, but I would say I've come around. I I appreciate the sport, and it entertains me if done in doses. But what's up with the timing of this? Isn't the World Cup usually in the summer? Now, maybe it's because of the vid. I I, I don't know. I'm a little lost. 
Uh, also, like I, I think the World Cup and the Olympics have some parallels. Like, what are we doing with those? Like, it's it's very corrupt. But I also think it's different, right? When you have an event that's every four years, you know, the NFL, professional baseball, the EPL, the NBA, like these guys, these are consistent leagues every single year, right? I mean, they're 365 businesses. The World Cup, obviously, it's enormous business, but it's somewhat of a one-off thing, you know, every four years. Uh, but I'd be lying if I told you that I've... We, we tied to Wales. My issue with American soccer is when I worked for the Eagles, like Manchester United, uh, I think Chelsea, we used to host big games. Jeffrey Lurie was really good at that. And I remember them sending their B teams and usually they would work out on our practice facility, definitely in the off season. So you would like, they would be practicing. I'd be done with work. I go to the gym and then I'd see the guys. And they used to have guys that were, I remember thinking physically, like they had some dudes. And then I remember our team, 2010. Uh, it was the World Cup, maybe, in, I want to say Germany. And they practiced before they went over there uh, at our facility. And I remember going and watching them practice. And it was the year, I forget the bald-headed goalie's name, who's sweet. Like Landon Donovan was still on the team. And I remember them running by me. And I'm, you know, I'm 5'10", a buck 80. I'm not very big relative to like professional athletes. And all these guys running by me, and listen, I understand soccer is different like the NFL, I just remember us being small and clearly we're not talented enough to like be a bunch of little guys. I, I just wonder like today, the Wales game, everyone wants our team like in the media and fans to be so good. We're just not like, there's just no way around it. We're just not. And it sucks because everything we've always cared about, we've dominated at, right? We want to be the best in the world at basketball, best in the world. Want to be the best in the world at golf, best in the world. Want to be the best? I say this all the time about rugby. If we focused on rugby like we do football, we'd beat the shit out of everybody. Now, I get pushback from the soccer elites that said if we focus on soccer, if soccer was our ethos, like football and basketball are in this country, we would dominate. We we just would. We, we, I mean, it's, I don't even think it'd be close. And people are like, well, it's not about the size of the athlete. I get it. But you're telling me that some of the best athletes in this country from Russell Westbrook to Odell Beckham to Ray Lewis to you name it over the years. If they hadn't lived, breathed, and eaten soccer from when they were young, they wouldn't be good at it. Like if Kevin Garnett had just focused on being the best goalie in soccer from the moment he was five, he wouldn't be unscorable. Of course he would. Um, I feel very good about that argument, but we'll never prove it. And we're just going to keep you know losing or tying whales. Lifetime Seahawks fan here. Ha, uh, but have lived in Scottsdale for the past decade. It's been fun hearing about your move to Arizona. Love this place. It really is. It gets a little cold in the winter, but uh, I think I got my golf course that I'm going to join next year kind of circled. And this is just something something about a place that's new. You know, I, I needed a change. It was just time for me. I'd been in the Bay for a decade. It had just become stale to my life. I needed to mix it up. And it's just for my own sanity uh, and finances. The Geno Smith resurrection had me thinking about his upcoming contract. With his top five quarterback play this year, he could easily demand over $30 million. I always thought Brady was a genius for taking less money to help his team's cap. I'd love to hear for Geno do the same and hopefully help build an amazing team around him. Do you have any idea 
how much financial benefit being a winning quarterback has. Are the commercials brand deals Geno will get if he has a consistent playoff team worth taking a lot less salary? Curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I'd even take a step back. Are we sure Geno Smith would get $30 million a year? Like, it's November 21st. He's had a fantastic season. He's played 10 games. He still has a bunch more games. Like, I'm going to pump pump the brakes on he'd get $30 million. I think under no circumstance, any team would pay him $30 million. Who's paying him $30 million? The Jets? No. Uh, the Texans? No. Seattle? Like, I don't think you got to pay him $30 million. Like, I, I just don't think he's getting a premium contract. Now, could he get like 18 with incentives to get to $28, $30 million? Probably. But you can't be a one-year wonder at 32 years old and get $30 million. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Brady, and I know he's taking less, makes $30 million. Like, I, 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 I have a hard time seeing that. I know what you're saying. Obviously, Dak Prescott being the starting quarterback for the Cowboys probably makes, my guess would be, $15-plus million off the field. Patrick Mahomes being one of the best quarterbacks probably does something like that. Obviously, Josh Allen's in a lot of commercials. You make a lot. I mean, these commercials, When if you just did a one-day, one-off commercial, it's like a million bucks. I mean, the, the money these people make is stupid. It's It's monopoly cash. Most people in America, like our richest people are owners. They have equity. Like they have juice in the deal. Most people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars own businesses, right? That's where their wealth is. It, the amount of people that sniff the compensation that a guy making, let's say Geno Smith makes $25 million. Non-athletes are like entertainers. How many people in this country make a $25 million W-2? The number's small. I mean, even these CEOs are getting huge, huge stock bonuses. You know, so just get a straight W-2 like that is, you're in the 1% of the 1%. You know, these, these guys are living these guys are living pretty good. You know, don't, don't let anyone fool you. Most people get it, but sometimes you see stuff on the media, you're like, God, you guys are so fucking stupid. Um, I'm a diehard Colts fan. It's from Tyler. Assuming we continue to lose games, which I think is likely... How do you see us moving up in the draft to get off the quarterback carousel? Houston, Carolina, Detroit will definitely prioritize getting their next quarterback. Houston, Jacksonville won't trade with us being in the same division. Are we screwed for another year? Yeah, I mean, I just think, what's your record now? Four, six, and one. I I bet you end up going like six, what would be six, six, nine, and one, something like that. You know, that'd probably put you... Somewhere between 8 to 12. Yeah, I just, I don't know. But what would show us that Chris Ballard is likely to take a quarterback? Every single year, he just passes on quarterbacks. And I know he said, like, you keep wanting us to take quarterbacks. We got to like one of those guys. True. But it's like you guys have taken Sam Ellinger. Like, that's the guy you've taken over the last however handful of years. You're constantly trading for these bridge-type guys. So I, I have no faith unless they were, like, top two or three that he'd use that pick on a quarterback. Uh, Now, I'm trying to think. I I mean, I could see Matt Ryan being the quarterback again next year. I have a question regarding Deshaun Watson. He is returning next week after being away from football for almost two years to play against his former team, the Texans. And it made me think of something. Do you believe he made the wrong decision to go to the Browns? I understand the move from a financial and football perspective, but from a legacy perspective, regardless of how successful he is in Cleveland, I do not believe the Browns fans will fully embrace him. I think he would be better received if he had gone back to his home state and played for Georgia for the Falcons. What's your take on this? I hear what you're saying, but I, I just, 
I think it is so impossible to say what his legacy will be right now. Because right now, when you say Deshaun Watson, people think of one thing and one thing only. Massage therapist. No one thinks of anything else. I don't think of the game-winning touchdown against Alabama. I don't think of the success he had with the Houston Texans. I think of all these chicks coming after him. Now, I've said over and over, I, I wasn't there, you weren't there, none of us were there. We have no clue, guilty or innocent. No one knows except him and those chicks. But to me, that's his legacy. So to me, the only way to get the train back on the tracks is just to be good. And if you're good in the NFL, whether you play for the Jacksonville Jags or whether you play for the Dallas Cowboys, you become a star. So, like, if he just is a good player, it will take some time, but that's all that will matter. So, I, I hear what you're saying. It might have been an easier uh, transition for him. Like, you're telling me if he doesn't lead the Browns to the playoffs four straight years, they wouldn't embrace him? For sure, they would. He's not playing for the Packers here that are used to going to the playoffs. I mean, the Browns have historically sucked. I mean, think how bad they've been for the last couple decades. So, if in the next three years, obviously this year doesn't count for them, but in 23, 24, and 25, they go to the playoffs three straight years. One of the years they win the North, and he wins some playoff games. I think Browns fans will like him a lot. Because you could argue the same thing about Falcons. He was going to Atlanta where the one of the best players in the history of their franchise, he'd be going filling in for Matt Ryan. Say what you want about Matt Ryan. like They made the playoffs a bunch. He won an MVP. He was a really good guy. Never got in any trouble. So I... I don't think, I, I don't agree with that theory. Big USC fan, fight on. As much as I love watching Lincoln Riley's offense roll, the defensive side of the ball has been atrocious. USC fans are hoping they win out and make it to the playoff, but could you make the argument that it would be better for them if they missed out this year and avoided the embarrassment of another Lincoln Riley playoff loss on a national stage? I'm just not sure we're ready to compete with elite programs. Listen. This year, what, what's your record right now? 10-1? and one. You beat Notre Dame, you're 11-1, and one, and you're in the conference championship in Vegas? It has been an incredible season. USC, I th- didn't they go 4-8 and eight last year? I mean, it can't be overstated what, and you know this being a USC fan, but I think a lot of people that live in different elements in the country, like USC's been so bad, no one's even been paying attention. It's been uglier than you realized. So for him to get here, now time, you're able to take these transfers and it's like free agency. So it's it's been much easier for him to flip the script, right? He was literally able to take his five-star quarterback from Oklahoma, who's a fucking stud. But he believes in this defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, is I think is how you say his last name, who you would say, based on Oklahoma and based on this year, is pretty questionable. I had an agent buddy who said, like, I don't know why Lincoln is so loyal to him, but he is. He was one of the few coaches he brought from Oklahoma with him. He believes in this guy. And once upon a time, if you remember, Sarkeesian, you know, really believed in in Justin Wilcox, who then resurrected his career, but while he was with Sark, was kind of getting shit on a lot. And my question with Lincoln is, I have no doubts he will recruit NFL quarterbacks, NFL wide receivers, NFL running backs, NFL tight ends, NFL offensive linemen. His offense will be worthy to win a natty. But and, and I'm a Lincoln Riley fan. I, I think for being a younger guy, he is a serious old soul. He is not, people think like, oh, this 40-year-old rich guy now living up. Now he you listen to him talk, and I've interviewed him a couple times and I've been around him, and I know people that have worked for him. He is he is not wired like some young loosey-goosey guy. 
But I don't know from a recruiting standpoint if he doesn't prioritize it, if he doesn't care, if he doesn't know what it looks like. I do question whether he can recruit defense. He didn't do it at Oklahoma, and he, I, we'll see it, USC. The reason USC competed for natties and won natties with Pete Carroll wasn't the offense. The offense was good. It was they had guys at every level that were NFL players, first-rounders, linemen, ends, defensive tackles, inside, outside linebackers, safeties and corners, guys that play start on Sunday. That was the reason they could play with Ohio State, USC, you know, all those teams. Even Chip Kelly, his couple years when he had national championship-level teams, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, they had Kiko Alonso. They had NFL players on defense. If you do not have NFL players on, and I'm not talking like one guy that gets drafted in the sixth round. I'm talking about first-rounders. I don't take you seriously. It's the reason Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Clemson when they're right. Like, you got to have NFL defensive players at multiple levels. And to me, until he proves that he can get those guys, I can't take USC seriously as a national championship contender. I'd argue this year you made it. Can you imagine if you beat Notre Dame, and let's assume you beat, let's say Oregon wins against Oregon State, which is going to be a hard game. You beat Oregon, which I think that's what the Pac-12 wants. USC, Oregon in Vegas, that's a, that's a cool product. USC wins that game, which they would not be a guarantee to win that game. But let's just say he does. Even if you got your ass kicked by Georgia or Ohio State or Michigan, who cares? Like just going to that game after Clay Helton, year one of Lincoln Riley, all worth it. Last year, Michigan got the living piss beat out of them by Georgia. Just absolutely curb stomped. It was all worth it. Every single snap of that game was worth it for the season. Like your season has been so successful. And for those of us on the West Coast that, you know, let's face it, we've had to gravitate toward the SEC and Ohio State and Michigan and the occasional like Oklahoma or Baylor or Clemson because the teams out here haven't been worthy. It's cool to see these teams matter again. Mario brought relevance. I appreciate Kyle Whittingham. Now Lincoln out here. Like, I, I, I love college football. I, I really do. But, uh, you know, without Lincoln Riley coming to USC, that program was in major, major shambles. Let's see if I can get one more question. And speaking of, I, I do believe that Caleb Williams will be the number one pick in the draft. There was this clip that went viral of him rolling to his left and making this throw across his body against UCLA. He is a spectacular talent. I mean, from a as a thrower of the football, his accuracy on the move, his playmaking ability, he's just he's a stud. He, he really is. Uh, next year's quarterback draft is probably better than this. It is better than this quarterback draft on paper. Obviously, quarterback on paper doesn't matter. How you actually play matters, but. I mean, Zach Wilson went too, and he sucks. So you never know. I mean, Trey Lance has played like two games. He's got a broken ankle. So there's no guarantee just because you're drafted high you're going to be good. But, you know, Bryce, I, I think, is going to go number one. But he is tiny. He is really, really small. And Will Levis, I think, is going to go number two. And listen, people are going to go nuts when he goes number two, but people are going to bet on the physicality. Now, will that translate? Time will tell. But, you know, next year... Caleb Williams and the dude from North Carolina lock and change, but it does feel like those two guys are kind of set in stone. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for sharing this podcast with your friends. Thanks for you know spending time with me. 
And uh, I, I'm very, it's going to sound cheesy. I'm, I'm thankful for everyone that listens. I, I really am. Enjoy the turkey. Peace. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.